The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Join us as Pastor Randy Rehm shares truths from God's unchanging Word. I am the bread of life. What he's saying is, I am the bread that brings that eternal life. He's saying it again. He's already said it to him once. So let, let it hit him in the face a little bit. Have this parenthetical phrase explained that he's not the father. And he says it again. And he says, uh, wait a minute. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and died. What you're asking for doesn't give eternal life. It didn't for them. And it won't for you. This bread, which comes down of heaven, this is the bread that comes down out of heaven. So that, no, what's the bread? Him. So that you may eat of it and not die. So we're supposed to eat Jesus. No, remember, these are all metaphoric. The concept of thing he's trying to get through is belief and eternal life. Coming to him brings eternal life. So what does eat mean? means believe, to come to him. In the context, that's where, if you don't context it, don't recognize that Jesus pounds these metaphors over and over and over. Belief, come to me, eternal life. Belief, come to me. Eat, have eternal life. Oh, you mean believe, you mean come to you. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, it's, it's not communion he's talking about here. Once you understand that, he's not talking communion here. He's talking about, because those who take it, see, unless you take communion, you can't have eternal life. So you surrendered your life to Christ at work one day because of a friend, and you drove home, got in a car accident, never had communion. Too bad. Some people do the same thing with baptism. All right? This is not, this is not talking about communion. This is on believing in Jesus Christ and his work. That's what he means by eat of him. Come to him, believe in him. Okay? I am, here we go again, the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And the bread also which I give for the life of the world. Remember he said this is the one, the Father's real bread that God sends Brings life to the world. I'm that. He equates himself even with that statement. Okay. That bread that brings life to the world is my flesh. So Jesus clearly explains the metaphor. Okay. Bread that gives life. I'm the bread. That bread is what? That I've come in the flesh. Eternal life comes because... The Son came in the flesh. That's pretty straightforward. Jesus said to them, verse 53, Truly, truly, we've ran into that three times now. Okay? He's making an emphatic statement. He says, I know truth, I am truth. We talked about this before. Listen to me. True, true, true are these statements. I say to you, unless you eat my flesh, or eat the flesh of the Son of Man, the Son of Man, the Son of Man, not the Son of God, now, he is the Son of God, but when it speaks about the Son of Man, it's particular when he comes on the flesh as a man, as a person, as a human being. He is a person, but as a human being. Okay. And drink his blood, 
You have no life in yourselves. This is the work of God that you believe. If, you, if, if believing brings life, but there's no life in you, there's no believing in you. The believing is a thing that God does. That's what he already said. Now, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. He gives a little explanation of what he means by that, and we'll talk about this next week because this same phrase comes in to the conversation. I will raise him up on the last day. He clarifies eternal life's not something you're seeing in front of you. People will still pass away, die, but there's a resurrection. Now, the Sadducees have a hard time with that, but he's saying there's going to be a day that you're all raised up again. I know it looks like to you. I know you're seeking physical bread, and you think this means just physical life. But he'll resurrect that, and that will be true as well. Okay? So I'm going to reiterate eating, this idea of eating, Okay, it's just another metaphor for believing in him, trusting in his work on the cross, for what he does. For my flesh, verse 55, is true food. Not physical food that comes and you still die. My flesh is spiritual food that brings eternal life. It's the real stuff. My blood is the true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. And I in him. Okay, I'm not breaking that apart now because there's a whole other sermon on that one yet to come. Later on in John. As the living Father sent me. Now remember, he's talking about eternal life. He's been talking about this life, eternal life. The living Father. The self-existent Father. That's called the doctrine of aseity. That God exists in and of himself. All right? I live because of the Father. The Father is, God is, eternally self-existent. And so am I. Because he's already made himself equal with God, claimed to be God, they wanted to kill him. So if God, the Father, is eternal, self-existence, I am as well. You've got to realize this. Um, excuse me, didn't they just celebrate your birthday a little while ago? I was there at your bar mitzvah. You know, I, I'm not, you, you, wait a minute. You have a mama and a dad. They actually say this in this chapter. <laughs> and then mom and dad are here and their brothers, wait a minute. Okay? So he who eats me, eats me, he also will live because of me. This bread which came down out of heaven, this bread himself, out of heaven. Not as your fathers ate. It ain't that kind of bread, guys. Get that out of your head. Get the physical out of your mind, okay, and die. He who eats this bread will live forever. Now, again, I'm going to reiterate, this is all metaphoric. All right. Why doesn't he just say it a little more clear? Well, we'll get to that next week, Okay. But the real question comes then, wait a minute, if you've seen him and you don't believe, he says that, you, you've seen him, watch what I do, and you think because I do something other miracle, you're going to believe. Believing doesn't come 
by seeing those things. It's the Father. It is God who does the work that brings, that brings belief. He's the one that makes you believe. So, so how does one come to believe in Jesus uh, if it's not seeing these things? How do they come to putting their faith in Christ, trusting in His work, what He did, instead of themselves? Not looking to natural things, but just trusting that one. How do they get there? In verse 63 of this chapter, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Then he clarifies, the words that I have spoken to you are the Spirit and life. Did you catch that? Well, wait a minute. How, how do we get from this point, non-believing, to that believing point that has life? It is the Spirit, and then he, and the flesh profits nothing. It, it contributes nothing to this. Let me clarify, the words that Jesus has spoken are the Spirit and our life. It's Jesus' word that does it. Hmm. I do find that intriguing, that God brought all life into existence by a word. In verse 68, Peter says this, You, Jesus, have the words of eternal life. Let me put it the way Jesus said it when confronted with Satan. Man shall not live by bread, physical bread, alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How do people come to belief? Jesus, the book of John starts this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We get down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh. Jesus, particularly the incarnation, and the Word. Now I want you to understand, Jesus is not ink on paper. Okay, or ink on papyri, like it might have been in those days, or parchment. Both God's Word and God's Son in the Incarnation reveal God. The written Word is the self-revelation of God. The Son becomes man. He is the self-revelation, this is of God, revealing Himself. That's how they are both the same. Jesus does not consist of ink and paper. All right? As much as my spoken word doesn't, you could write it down, but my spoken word doesn't consist of what you wrote. It, it came out through my vocal cords. So God, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, moved on men to write it down. In particular here would be the Old Testament. God comes and walks among men and reveals it. Then God moves upon men to write that down. That's how we know about Jesus, that somebody wrote it down. Okay? And you could read uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16, or actually about 14 through 17 and give some clarity on that. So, so if you eat of Him, who is the Word, that's what brings the eternal life. I think you, got, you guys are bright enough to make the connection already. On the theological doctrinal side... The Scripture, that is the Bible in the Old and New Testament, contains everything needed for salvation. 
Think about it a minute. Nothing else, a miracle does not need to be added to Scripture. Many people say, well, you know, I'd believe if God would just show it, it'd just do a miracle, then I'd believe. No, because he wrote it down for Moses and the prophets and the other ones else, and you didn't believe them even if he raises the dead. Oh, that's right, he did raise the dead, and you don't believe. Are you asking God to do something more than die for your sins and resurrect? Then I'll believe. Well, wasn't that enough? What more do you need? First, or 2 Timothy 3.15, I just mentioned that. Um, when it's talking about the Scriptures, it says, they, the Scriptures, are able to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.23, For you have been born again, not of seed which is imperishable, but imperishable. Now, Peter here is drawing upon Jesus' own parable of the sower. And he says, the word is the seed. He's drawing on that. But that is through the living, enduring word of God. Now, let me read that again now. You have been born not of the seed that's imperishable, but that which is imperishable. The, the, the word is imperishable. It doesn't change. It lasts forever. Matter of fact, Jesus is not even the comma, the period, and the dot over the I. Will, will anyway pass away. Okay, the word. Through that, through that living word, is how we were born again. The Bible is sufficient to drive every sinner to embrace their Savior. The Bible is sufficient to drive the sinner to the cross of Christ. James 1 and 18, the first part of that verse says, in the exercise of His will, uh, we save that for next week, He gave us birth by the word of truth. Romans 1 and 16, the Apostle Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and the Greek. How do we know what the gospel is? The word. Romans 10, 13 through 15, and I've quoted it to you many times. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how will they call upon the one in whom they have not heard? How can they hear if someone is not preaching? If someone, how can someone preach unless someone is sent? He's saying, here's how those who come to believe do so by the preaching of the Word. That's it. Okay? The gospel of Jesus Christ is found in the Bible alone. Let me put it another way. Sola Scriptura. If you don't know what that means, look at our logo. It's on the screen. The gospel of Jesus Christ will not be found in philosophy or science. The gospel does not need a good marketing campaign to make it more attractive to the masses. The gospel does not need to be watered down to make it more appealing and less offensive to a lost world. 
The gospel does not need to be made more applicable to your felt need. The gospel must simply be preached. The gospel should be unequivocally, passionately, without apology, preached. Not just in the streets, not just at work, not just at the university, but in the churches, particularly the churches of our country. Dr. Stephen Lawson, who teaches uh, preaching at Masters University, okay, particularly expository preaching at Masters University, and he's a pastor, been one for years, says this, the preacher has nothing to say apart from the Word of God. Hmm. There are many, like I said, who believe that if God would do a miracle, then they would believe. He gave them everything they need for belief. His word. <clears throat> but many people believe that they preach the gospel in a different way. Gospel starts this way. God's holy and perfect. You ain't. And I said it that way. But God is holy and perfect, and you're a sinner. No, you're not basically good inside. We went through that last week where we read all the scriptures where the Bible tells us what our hearts really are. Okay? They don't start that way. They want to somehow that, that if you receive Christ in your life, you come to Jesus, life will be better. Okay? I actually put this in, a, in Google with quotes. Following Jesus will make your life better. 2,910,000 hits. Now, some of them might take that phrase as a catchphrase and maybe say something good out of it. But uh, a particular preacher says that, and he adds this to it. Following Jesus will make your life better and will make you better at life. Andy Stanley. It was a tweet he put out. His father would roll over in his grave. Okay, This idea that that coming to Jesus Christ just, just makes the stuff of this life better. Back to the manna, and you fed me on a hill. Just give me more of that. Here are some quotes from things I ran into on the Internet. Jesus wants to see you flourish and grow to become the best version of you that you could be. No, he says this, be holy as I am holy. Go ahead and try that. Here's another one. Jesus sees the things that make you unique and dreams them to be, or deems them to be awesome. Jesus wants to you live out your life feeling genuine and authentic. I won't tell you what side of the... That came from. This one. Jesus will make you feel better than a kid with free tickets to the circus. You see how they're trying to make the gospel be something about this life. Jesus is saying to the, you're missing it. It ain't about this life. I'll give you some metaphors in this life, but you're, this is beyond that. This, this a Jesus will fix all your problems thing, that, that material or happiness, particular material blessing, and then peace, there'll be no worries. That you'll, you'll, God will come down and bless you and do great things for you. Let, let me read to you when Jesus talks about blessings. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of earth. 
Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven is great. Not on this earth. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You will be blessed. Jesus says, let me tell you what blessing looks like. Persecution, mocked, hated, and lied about. There's a particular Christian network. You won't hear much of that on. In Matthew 10, 16 through 18, Jesus tells his disciples they will be persecuted and socially ostracized. Now, I, I, I've been in a lot of people's homes, and I got them in my house too, you know, those neat little pictures with those nice scriptures on them. But you never see those ones posted in anybody's house. I promise you this. Persecution and social ostracism. And that's what I promise. We, we don't see those anywhere, and I understand why. When you read Paul's list of qualifications, he, uh, he gives of himself in 2 Corinthians 11. You know what he talks about? Being beaten, thrown in prison, stoned, left for dead, and all those kind of things. He was having his best life now. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3 and 12. Indeed, all who, do, to, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. That is in the imperative. It's a promise. I promise you that if you, choose, if you want to live the godly life, you will be persecuted. Especially this month. You guys know what June is, right? Okay. If you don't know, look it up. You don't have to go far to see signs of it. Matthew 6 and 24, here's what Jesus says. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Not, not tell himself all the things he is and God wants him to be more of. Okay? Uh, not, not genuine and authentic. Let him deny himself. Deny it and take up his cross and follow me. Think about the cross for a minute. See, the early church guys, ancient church guys, understood that. There were many throughout church history that understood that. You could read about them in Fox's Book of Martyrs. They understood that they had to take up a cross with that final result of dying physically. Life, true life. Eternal life has nothing to do with material possessions. If you don't have any, doesn't mean you're not saved, doesn't mean you don't have faith. I would say, anyway, you can look at Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. A gospel that is focused more on you, your problems in this life, your happiness, your success, than it is Jesus Christ and his cross is a false gospel. Amos 8 and 11 gives this prediction. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread and thirst for water, not natural bread and water, but rather for the hearing, 
for hearing the words of the Lord. Who sends the famine? God does. And here's what I mean. People will not listen to the word of God. That is an act of God. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If the gospel comes, if eternal life comes through the preaching of the word, and God's going to send it so people won't listen. Yeah, yeah, that messes with your theology. Don't worry, we'll get to that next week. But I want you to give you a little food for thought as the worship team comes back up and prepares for communion. How'd you like the way I worked that in? Okay, I wanted to give you a little food for thought. That bread is Jesus Christ. That is His Word. It reveals God. Now I want you to listen to this line. It will sound very, very familiar. Give us this day our daily bread. Does your mind go to manna from... Does your mind go to physical things? Give us this day our daily bread. Here's why. The man that came down from heaven wouldn't last 24 hours. You've got to have your daily dose of the Word of God. Your spirit feeds on that spiritual food. You need to say, God, give me today daily, daily bread. I know we want Jesus in our life every day. That's going to come through the word he gave us. Okay? Now, in this message, I, I sort of talked about those who want to take it everywhere else but Jesus Christ. But I'm drawing it back to us sitting in the pews, those that are listening, that are believers. You've got to recognize, though, that bread has, we have to feed on every day. Now, I know you miss them. You miss a day or two. Everybody does. Don't, don't, don't go 24 hours without your daily bread. Well, holy God, we stand before you today recognizing this, that we are redeemed by the Lamb, by the blood of Jesus Christ, that the work is entirely yours, O oh God, that you moved in us that we might believe. But God, let us not take that for granted. Let it be our daily bread to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. Father, I pray that in remembering that, it will lead to joy and to praise and to worship of mighty God. That we would never become boastful thinking it was something in us that we were smart enough to believe but God we recognize that you did it all so all we can do is humbly and joyfully give you the glory in Christ's name we pray amen God bless this is Stephen Wilson and we want to thank you for joining us today and we hope you were blessed by today's message Truths from God's Unchanging Word is an outreach ministry of Kindred Bible Church in Caldwell, Idaho. If you would like to listen to other messages by Pastor Randy or learn more about Kindred Bible Church, visit kindredbible.org. Our prayer for you is that you grow closer to Christ as we study the truths from God's Unchanging Word.